This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, RetailOpeningsAndClosings.com. In today's dynamic retail landscape, tracking openings and closings before they take place has never been more important. Having this intelligence is an undeniable competitive advantage. RetailOpeningsAndClosings.com, also known as ROCK, tracks future openings and future closings. Comprehensive, accurate, and reliable, the ROCK is your crystal ball and the key to making well-informed decisions with confidence in today's evolving retail climate. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today we have Melissa Tinsley. Melissa is a real estate manager for Tropical Smoothie Cafe, covering the South and Southwest regions. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Thank you, I'm glad to be here. Well, uh, Melissa, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and who you are and how you ended up where you've ended up? Absolutely, so I started my career um, in 2007, just a couple of years after I graduated from college. Um, I accepted a position as the administrative assistant in the real estate department at Tuesday morning. Uh, I spent about six years there learning about the business, learning from from real estate managers and uh, the director of real estate there. Um, And after that six years, I took what I had learned and um, went off on my own to LaDeff America, which is the parent company for LaMadeline, Burgers Bagels, Mimi's Cafe. Uh, I spent most of my time there, about four years, um, focused on LaMadeline, and uh, spent a little bit of time there as well with um, the franchising side, as LaMadeline was new to franchising. Uh, learned about that side of the business and then left LaDuff in 2017 uh, to come over to Tropical Smoothie Cafe to work solely with franchisees. And that's where I am today. I've been at Tropical Smoothie now three years. Awesome. And and so tell us, what's going on at Tropical Smoothie today? What are you guys up to? What are you guys doing? So we are continuing to grow. Um, our plans this year in January were um, to open about 130 cafes, which is very aggressive. Um, our franchisees move quickly, and uh, we have uh, a very aggressive development approach. Obviously, coronavirus put a little dent in that plan, but we're um, we're picking that back up, and we're going to continue to push forward as, as quickly as we can. You know, we own shopping centers, and my experience in working with franchise groups on the deal side, we end up dealing with, you know, our interactions with the franchisee at tropical smoothie. Are you doing the individual deals or are you managing the process? Are you out touring sites? What is the role when you're uh, a real estate manager for a franchise organization, you know, which is, different than some corporate organizations like when you were at Tuesday morning? In comparing kind of what I've done with the corporate side versus the franchising side. So at Tropical Smoothie, we um, were responsible for managing the development that happens within our territory. 
Um, some franchisees need very little support and some franchisees need a lot of support. So we sort of gauge that um, and what's needed. We have a broker network that we provide when a new franchisee comes on. Uh, and we highly recommend they use one of our brokers that's already been vetted out, um, already knows our system and what we need and has likely already been searching in the market. Um, we have LOI template tools, uh, as well as various other tools for them to use throughout the process. And so my role goes from site search until the lease is executed. And then we hand them off to one of our construction managers to help them through that phase of the process. And how many locations is Tropical Smoothie Cafe up to today? So we are up to about 842 cafes. Wow. With that, you guys were going to open or planned on developing another 100, 130 this year? Yes. Yeah. Very, very exciting stuff. Um, and you mentioned the, you know, with the pandemic that slowed you down, that slowed you down from what, what perspective was it? Was it the construction was shut down? Was it that your franchisees were focused on their existing network of stores? Was it that, you know, there was liquidity challenges? What, what was the challenge? So a couple of different challenges. So um, for franchisees who had existing locations, they sort of had to pivot their focus um, back to those existing locations and sort of put a pause on new projects just for a short term. We also had a couple of franchisees who maybe were close to closing on their loan that then ran into challenges on lending. So they were unable to start construction. And then we had some who just did not want to go under construction um, with the uncertainty of the pandemic. That makes sense. Uh, I like the, the three categories you put that in. And your, your franchisees, the majority on the, you mentioned construction, are you know, most of these freestanding buildings or most of these end caps, what, are they all across the board? They're certainly all across the board. Um, I would say we have made a significant push on more drive-through locations over the past couple of years, um, but we still do quite a few inline and in-cap locations where a drive-through was not available or was not an option. And and most of the franchisees in the system are they multiple unit operators? Um, at this point, most are single unit or may have two locations, but what we, we are starting to um, sort of transition from just the single unit operators to multi-unit operators. Um, one thing that's exciting is a lot of our single unit operators come back to buy another franchise agreement or a third franchise agreement. So they've, they've seen success with the brand, they love the brand, and they want to continue to grow. That's fantastic. And where are they coming from, these new franchisees? Are they coming from other systems like a, a Wendy's and trying Tropical Smoothie? Or are they just entrepreneurs that are looking for the right concept? So we see a little bit of both. Um, one, one great thing about Tropical Smoothie among, you know, a lot of great things about the brand is that we do give, um, you know, those entrepreneurs or, um, you know, that, that young 
um, excited person that's never been in the restaurant business, we give them that opportunity um, with a lot of support to get them from um, no experience to owning their own restaurant. Well, that brings me to the, the next thing. You, you, you said an interesting word. You all consider yourselves in the restaurant business. Yes. And so when I, when I think of smoothie, I, I put you in the personally just and how I know the brand I'm, I'm comparing you to like smoothie King and places like that. Is that how you guys view competition? So when we're looking at direct competitors, we do consider Smoothie King, um, you know, Planet Smoothie, um, all of those concepts that are more smoothie and juice driven as direct competitors. Um, our smoothie sales are still at about 60%, but what surprises a lot of people is that our food sales are 40%. Wow. Somewhere in that 35 to 40% range. So. Um, and that's, you know, that's how we are going to continue to push forward with um, strengthening our AUV is growing our um, food component. And what is the average AUV of a tropical smoothie? So the last number that I have from 2018 is 730,000. Wow. And we're continuing wow. to see that number grow. Yeah, that's pretty great. And, and on the competitors, Help me understand what's going on. It seems like over the past few years, there's been this really big growth in the smoothie category. Now you said the restaurant category, which we all know there's a ton of restaurants, but why has there been this growth in the, in smoothie category? You know, that's a great question. And I think um, overall, just the general population out there um, is trying to eat healthier and trying to make better choices. We're not perfect, um, but what we see as our kind of our consumer is is that person that's doing their best, that tries to go to the gym every day, that's trying to make better choices, and we see that as um, you know that's that's kind of what we have to offer. And um, I think a lot of concepts are sort of starting to catch on to that. That you know customers want a healthier option. Yeah. I saw something recently in some research. Well, there was, you know, in the restaurant world, there was a, a ton of restaurant concepts that grew that were pre COVID that were plant-based restaurants. And there were, you know, that plant-based seems to be a hot category going forward and uh, not suggesting tropical smoothies, only plant-based, just saying that, you know, it speaks to the, the health conscious consumer nowadays. So, yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. Anything else about what you're up to these days and tropical smoothie that we should know? What's Melissa up to these days? Oh, you know, just, um, continuing to, um, help grow this brand. And especially here in Texas, where I'm from based, based out of Dallas, um, you know, came into tropical smoothie with one of our main goals and biggest growth areas is the whole state of Texas. Um, and so we have been pushing Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin, the Valley, El Paso, West Texas, all of those areas very hard over the last few years. And so, you know, as a native Texan, it's been really exciting to see. Yeah. What's happened in Texas is we, we spoke before we own today two assets in Texas and 
the growth that's going on in Texas uh, has been pretty uh, incredible. So uh, I'm sure you guys will be successful uh, given that that's a place you guys are trying to grow. So, yeah. I want to pivot um, to a story that you might have about any deal that you've worked on. So uh, I hoping you can take us there, take us to, uh, to, to a location, Melissa. So one that comes to mind um, is the cafe that we opened in Rockwall, Texas, um, which is about 30 miles east of Dallas. And that's also currently where I live. Awesome. Um, that's you said rock wall, rock wall, Texas. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, and so we opened this cafe in March and then two weeks later, coronavirus hit. So, um, oh my God. you know, it was a, it's definitely was a tough road for the franchisee right when all of this happened, but he stayed positive and, um, just a really cool, um, journey that he was on to find his location that, you know, I think overall he'll be just fine, just like our, our other franchise owners, but, um, getting them through that difficult time was certainly a, a challenge. So this is an interesting one to me because this location is actually where you live. And so was this a first time franchisee, like a lot of your franchisees? So he signed a multi-unit agreement. He committed to three cafes um, in August of 2018. Um, it took us about a year. We um, initially started the search in just east of Dallas, so the Costa Linda area, um, East Richardson, and some areas over there. Um, after about nine months, we did not have success in, in landing a site. So we shifted our focus a little further east. And um, right at about a year mark is when we um, executed an LOI in Rockwall. And then we signed a lease um, the following month. So you, you, you decide on Rockwall and you live there. So you not only know this from a re real estate perspective, you know this market from a consumer perspective. Yeah. I imagine you were very picky. In, very picky. <laughs> as you were looking <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, and I think sometimes when we have that local perspective, um, without being biased, um, we can kind of guide the franchisee um, even even better than just, you know, looking at a map. We actually have a little more boots on the ground, insider knowledge of how that market works. And so what give me a little bit of color about Rockwell. I don't know the market. Well, um, give the audience what type of market is this? So Rockwall is, um, is basically built up around Lake Ray Hubbard. Uh, you've got most of your retailers and restaurants are either along I-30 or along Ridge Road or 205. So you've got your highway and then you've got two main thoroughfares. Um, most of your retailers, restaurants, your Chick-fil-A, your Starbucks are um, on Ridge Road. And the, what's the demographic there? So the demographic is strong. Uh, Rockwall has continued year over year to grow in population. Um, and then there's areas out just outside of Rockwall that are also continuing to grow. Um, and so it's one of those communities that not only has a strong population, um, daytime businesses, 
retailers, restaurants, but it's also growing um, out past Rockwall and pulling people in from further out. Got it. And so when, when you landed in Rockwall and living there, were you like, we have to be on Ridge Road, that's where we're going? Was that? So I try not to be too specific when, um, when going into a market because um, what we want to do is just look at the market as a whole and say, where is the most convenient place to be? A tropical smoothie is a convenience brand. Um, we want people to see us when they're driving by. Uh, we want people to see us when they're already out and about, maybe going to the grocery store or um, going to the doctor's office, things like that. So we want to be um, top of mind, convenient, all those things. And that's, that's really what brings me to, to Ridge Road is that's what that area has to offer. Um, I-30 is, is a great positioning as well, but it's not as convenient. So we, we might not have been as convenient as we are on Ridge. So you land on Ridge Road. The, the, the owner of the shopping center is not your neighbor, is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> is it a freestanding building? Is it a shopping center? So it's an existing strip center. Um, there was a retailer in place there that was um, like a pharmacy. And they had decided just to focus on their one location that they have uh, in downtown Rockwall and close this other one. And so it actually ended up being great timing. Um, it wasn't another restaurant that had gone out, which, you know, sometimes you ask why. Um, it was a retailer and um, they just decided it was a family business to just focus on their one location. And so they closed. And do you prefer existing restaurants because of the infrastructure? In ways, yeah, in some ways it can make things easier. Now, we typically don't keep anything except maybe the freezer cooler. Um, so it's, it's typically going to be a, you know, it's going to be gutted anyway outside of that. Um, but usually the layout of the space works well and the, the drive through window, if there is one is probably decently positioned. So there's, there's likely some cost savings there. And the utilities and all that stuff, utilities right? Utilities and all that stuff is pulled in. It depends, you know, what, what their requirements were versus ours, HVAC, things like that um, could be too old. But in most cases, there's, there's significant savings. So you, um, the, the pharmacy thing, did you know about this because you were living there or did you not know until you called the landlord? So our brokers actually um, presented this site to us. They were still operating in the space. Wow. So the brokers knew that this pharmacy group was wanting to leave and showed us the site. And I told the franchisee, yes, you need to jump on this quickly. Got it. And, and in Rockwall, is space going fast or was it pre-COVID? So in Rockwall, there's just very limited new development um, that's well positioned. And especially right in the mix near Kroger, um, you know, we're near a Duncan and some other restaurants and retailers. And so in that particular area, there's very little um, new development. Got it. And so you jump on this, you execute an LOI, anything, you know, 
out of the ordinary, crazy about the lease, anything like that? There really weren't any significant issues. Um, That's good. The change of use from retail to restaurant was probably our biggest hurdle um, with parking and making sure that the city approved it. And then um, the drive-through is on the right side of the building. So we had to kind of work through the drive-through stack and where to put the menu board and things like that. This, this, so this local pharmacy had a drive-through. Yes. Wow. Good for him. You don't see that too often. No. And so a couple things. So talk us through that a minute. So do you often have to get change of use in, in markets or are retail and restaurant classified the same in most markets? What do you find? Um, yeah, it, it depends on the market, I think, because the pharmacy wasn't selling any food products. So they were classified as a retailer. Um, and so that's how the parking was laid out in this, in the center. So when we changed to a restaurant use and they required us to go back through and make sure that there was enough parking Got and it. the landlord took care of that with the city. Yep. So, um, you do that, you sign the lease. How long from you sign the lease to the store construction being done and opening? So lease was signed in August of 19. Um, and then plans were started immediately. Um, construction started in, in December and then we opened in March. And you open in March and then you get shut down he wasn't able to be open for drive-through only or essential. He was still open drive-through only. Um, you know, unfortunately because his hours were reduced, um, and he just wasn't doing the sales volume that he did originally. He had to lay off some of his employees that he had just hired. Um, so, you know, challenging time for everyone, but, um, thankfully he stayed positive and, um, now he's starting to reopen and his hours are back to, um, to what they were and, and, uh, and things are looking much better. Is the cafe inside open now? So it's open to come in for to-go orders, but it's still not open for seating. And oof, it's tough, challenging time. So yeah. When, when was he able to like, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, everyone reopen yeah. at minimum to, to the, to go piece. So, so thankful. Oh, you mean just so people could walk in and order yeah. to go. Um, that I think the state of Texas was or like the early uh, May, I think Got the it. first week of May. And I don't think he did it right away. I think he waited until maybe the second week of May. And so the, you're, you're the first guest to come on to talk about, obviously, given the timing, a, a store that opened and closed, like in the midst of opened and closed during the pandemic. Really interesting story here. And I assume there's got to be some new marketing that goes right because he had just opened and everyone still didn't know about him. And then he was people were stuck inside and they how could they know? Was there was there anything done while they were shut down from a marketing or? Are you guys doing anything new now? Is he doing anything? How does, how are they, how is he looking at that? Well, the good thing was his drive-through was never shut down. So, you know, customers that heard about him, that saw it on Facebook, 
um, you know, all the marketing that went out, customers were sta- still able to come and go through the drive-through. Um, they weren't obviously weren't able to come inside for, for a few weeks. Um, and so I know that they did some, some media pushes on Facebook and things like that. Um, I know he delivered coupons, uh, around the community. Uh, and so, you know, definitely things like that, that he was able to do while social distancing. Got it. Well, that's, um, really interesting. I hope that, uh, sales continue to grow there and your family gets to, uh, have a tropical smoothie really close to home. Uh, cause yes, that would be cool you. since you, since you, uh, since you work for them, that's really cool stuff. Anything else about that story that we should hit on that we haven't discussed yet? No, I think we, um, I think we hit on everything. Awesome. Well, the last part of the show is called retail wisdom. So I have three questions for you. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. All right. Question one. Best piece of commercial real estate advice for the listeners out there. So one thing that I feel like I wish I would have known um, earlier in my career is, is a quote that I've heard lately is dress for the job that you want, not the one that you have. Uh, and that has always stuck with me just, um, you know, when, when I am in the office, obviously I work remote, um, just looking the part, dressing professionally. Um, even if you don't think anyone's looking, uh, people are always watching, especially early in your career. Awesome. And then um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask a follow-up there. And I normally don't ask follow-ups. Okay. In a, with this whole work from home craze and, and you normally work from home. How do you see the whole attire world going from here? Yeah, I do. I do certainly think that things will evolve because people are going to be at home more. Um, For me, even working from home, I find that I'm more productive when I get up and get dressed um, rather than if I stay in, you know, loungewear all day. Um, Not to say that I won't do that. Um, but it is important for me, especially as, um, a face of the brand, when I go out to meet with franchisees, that there's a level of respect, um, and that they know and feel confident that I know what I'm doing. Uh, and I think that how you dress and how you portray yourself has a, has a lot to do with that. Awesome. Cool advice. You're the first one that said that. And I love it. (laughs) And then I guess my other little piece of advice is just communication. Um, something I've learned throughout my career is if somebody takes the time to reach out to me with a site, even if we're not developing in that area, or I've already seen that site, I will always do my best to respond, even if it's past. So, you know, you never know when you might get that one site that comes to you that you end up signing a lease on. Totally. Second question extinct retailer you wish would come back from the dead? You'll probably laugh at me, but I I would say Blockbuster. Nope, not laughing. (laughs) Not laughing. I'm a movie lover. So, you know, Blockbuster was always a big part of my childhood. 
Um, there's just something about going to the movie store, picking out a movie for the family and, and taking it home and watching it. Um, you know, physically walking up and down the aisles to search for a movie rather than sitting on the couch and browsing with the remote. Um, and then, you know, the beloved blockbuster card that was like the only thing I had in my wallet, but it was mine. Um, Awesome. So things like that, you just don't have that anymore. And I always felt like that was special. I'll never forget the phrase, be kind, please rewind. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) We don't have to do that anymore, but last question. We're going to, I am on, and you have young children. I am on the Pottery Barn Kids website. They have the Charlie Lowe footboard bed. And I was perusing because my daughter's getting up the age where she might be moving from the the crib. The crib. Thank you. <laughs> and now we are, uh, you know, and we could be uh, in the market for a bed soon. So I was just perusing. What is the Charlie Lowe footboard bed on Pottery Barn Kids retail for? Is it just the bed frame That's or the bed frame and the mattress? It's just the bed frame, I think. 450. So I guess there is some add-ons and differences uh but uh it is 639 right now limited time offer it is normally 799 so you were almost there not quite but thank you for playing (laughs) i probably won't be getting that bed I'm (laughs) i'm sure it's beautiful uh no worries but listen this has been fantastic i really appreciate it I'm looking forward to connecting in person when the world starts to, you know, really open up. Absolutely. I I certainly appreciate you including me in this. It was a great experience. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.